Hello, working people of Southwest Washington. Oh, man, you are going to take my job. You're ready to do car ads. Listen oh, to that Oh, here we voice. go. Give me the money. Bring on the money. Well, hell, then there's nothing else to do but say you're listening to episode 39 of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. We're also a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network with over 200 radio shows and podcasts for working people just like you. Find out more about the network at laborradionetwork.org. I'm Harold Phillips, and before we get started, we want to remind you that the views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council, its affiliate unions, our guests' unions, or employers, not even the apples on their teachers' desks. Nobody but theirs. And about those apples. We know how much students and their parents love and support our public school educators. We saw evidence of that back in September when members of the Evergreen Education Association and the Camus Education Association went on strike at the same time. Those two unions didn't just get support from labor organizations like the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council and fellow union members. They got support from parents and students throughout those strikes. Now, the strikes are over, and at the time of this recording, our brothers, sisters, and siblings in the Portland Association of Teachers are on strike across the river in Oregon. So we wanted to dig a little deeper into the issues our Southwest Washington educators struck over, what it was like to be on strike, and what they won, not just for the members of the union, but for their students. To talk with us about that, we're joined by language arts teacher... And Evergreen Education Association Vice President Marge Hogan. Thanks so much for being here, Marge. Hi, thanks for having us. I mean, you said you taught Spanish, but you also taught English. I thought language arts might be appropriate. That's right, good enough. And music teacher and Camus Education Association Vice President Michael Sanchez. Welcome, Michael. Hey, thank you so much, Harold. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Marge, Michael, these strikes happened at the same time. Were the issues that your union struck over similar? You know, yes. In education, there tends to be a few issues that always seem to be the big ones. You know, we went on strike for three main reasons. We went on strike for class sizes. We need manageable class sizes for our students to learn in so that our members can appropriately and effectively attend to their students. We struck over support for library, music, PE, and health programs, which were pretty severely underfunded if they were funded at all. And then um, we struck over educator compensation. Yeah, really common issues, like Michael said, that you'll hear in educator locals throughout our region and, and probably throughout the country. Certainly, uh, supports for students with special needs were really important to us. Our district has created a new program of special education that in theory could be wonderful, but is severely understaffed. And so we were fighting just to kind of stay whole in some areas. This wasn't the salary bargain for us. We wanted to maintain our previous contract language around salary and then to really make some wins for being able to differentiate instruction and serve those students who need it the most. Those were some key issues for us. And it was really uh, frustrating. You know, I think Management is always going to try to get as much work as possible from us at the lowest cost. It's kind of their job to 
to squeeze us. But, you know, unfortunately, and I think Michael has, you know, your local seen this too, that sometimes that squeeze creates a poor quality education and really worsens students' learning conditions. So I think for us anyway, um, among management, there's different styles. I think in our district, we're seeing a management style that's seeking not only to cut away at our salary and staffing levels, but also less respect for educators' professionalism for education as a profession, things like trying to take away our academic freedom to limit our ability to meet the needs of a diverse range of students. We really came to the table and saw a lot of takeaways and it made it hard to make even small gains for the benefit of students and workers. Was that the case in Camus? Were you seeing the same things, Michael? Yeah, we were seeing a lot of takeaways, especially some anti-union language that management had proposed to put into our contracts. Things like taking away certain grievance rights, um, I know in our contract, we have something about subpoena leave. So if a member is subpoenaed, they can use this particular kind of leave to be excused for that. And they wanted to take that away, which we felt was anti-democratic. We need to participate in the government that, you know, that we all are in. They wanted to take away that leave and really just some mean, mean uh, language. I, I remember one that was particularly galling for us, which we felt was anti-woman was our sick leave, we get 12 days of front-loaded sick leave. So once the new year starts, we get 12 days of sick leave. They wanted to take away the front-loading and they wanted to give us one sick leave day a year. You know, with us still dealing with things like COVID where, you know, you have to be out for five days if you happen to get that. If a parent and then one of the kids happens to get that, you're burning through sick leave. And especially for new teachers who don't have accumulated sick leave like Marge and I, we have, you know, veteran teachers, we tend to have a little bit more of that. So it strikes me that you're both talking about a certain attitude from your district's management that seems to indicate that they don't really think of educators as professionals that need support in their workplace. Would you say that you both experienced that? Yeah, for sure. And that's evident in a whole lot of little things that were brought to the table, what we categorize as management rights that are an attempt to, you know, control what we do in the classroom and our ability to serve students. I will say it's not a coincidence. You know, we're certainly neighboring districts, but we know that management in our districts in our region are colluding, in many cases, using the same law firm, you know, to help write their contract language that they bring to the table. Um, we work really hard to make sure that we're accurately representing the needs of all the workers in our unit. And I know Camus, just like us, has a process of going out and having one-on-one -on -one conversations with members to understand what is a priority in this bargain? What do you need for your classroom? And most of what we hear from people is, I don't need a ton more money. I don't need to be paid like the superintendent is paid. I need to keep my salary whole, be able to pay my bills, and I need to be able to do my job. I just need to be able to serve students in the way that they deserve. So it's frustrating when some of the things that are brought to the table, even some no-cost items, are rejected, and the district is bringing things like asking us to um, give management lesson plans, when lesson plans obviously are written for students and for educators and not to present in front of a board of administrators. Our lesson plans are adapted in the moment, in day-to-day, week-to-week for students. Um, things like controlling the way that you do things in the classroom in a way that really it's not about students' experience. It's about controlling workers. As you mentioned, Marge, your district and Camus School District are very close. The Evergreen Education Association went on strike 
pretty close to the same time that the Camus Education Association went on strike. Was there a lot of communication between your two unions about this, or was this a decision that the unions came to independently? Yeah, you know, Harold, the way it's set up for us in this southwest Washington region is we have what's called a Uniserve director. Um, we share one. Her name is Lisa Rain. She's absolutely fabulous. She's basically support from WEA, or the Washington Education Association, and she helps us all throughout the year with things like contract negotiations, if there are grievances that we need to file on behalf of our members, all that sort of support, just the things that it takes to run a union. So Lisa worked on both of these contract negotiations. And as we started getting closer to the time we actually went on strike, she just kept both of us informed, like, look, folks, things are kind of not going great. But we never planned things together. We didn't say, okay, we're going on strike on this date and you're going on strike in the next date. It was just more of, hey, you know, here's the temperature in Evergreen. Here's the temperature in Camas. When we went on strike, I spoke to a member of the Evergreen bargaining support team because he really enjoyed what we were doing with social media and getting out our messages and that sort of thing. We certainly shared ideas and things like that. But as far as having a plan to, you know, this is what you're going to do and this is what we're going to do. That's just not how it worked, because even though we went on strike for similar reasons, the nuts and bolts, the inner workings of that are pretty different because the contracts are different and management's different. Yeah, and certainly I think that there's probably a consciousness among educators in Camus and in Evergreen that, you know, an injury to one is an injury to all. We look at each other's contract languages and a win for one contract can be a win for somebody else in that you look at that language and you say, hey, our neighboring district has these provisions around leave. And management knows we don't want to lose good workers to another district. So there should be some standards that we can help to enforce that help to lift us as a region. You know, and it's true across sectors too. There's a reason that we show up on the picket lines for nurses, you know, for auto workers. There's a reason that we were out for Teamsters this summer because we understand that from one local to another, even across sectors, we want to be able to lift up working people in a way that benefits everybody, our students, their families, workers, you know, around our whole region. I'm glad you brought up the notion of losing people because of the working conditions in your various districts, because that is one of the main concerns, right? As you're looking at being able to serve your students, it's really hard to do that unless you're fully staffed and you have enough people to do all of the things these students need, right? Was that a part of these negotiations? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, like Marge was saying earlier, our members aren't necessarily interested in more pay for more work. So if we have an overloaded classroom, just because you throw a few extra bucks at a teacher for doing that doesn't mean that they're happy about it. You know, money for for that, it, it just doesn't work. The supports are what we need. It's, it's a people business, right? Our clients are our kids and we adore and love our kids. To serve those kids, you need a lot of person power, especially for kids, you know, who are involved with special education programs, who have diverse learning needs, who may have had some sort of situation where they need extra help with reading that the classroom teacher may not be able to provide during the normal course of a class. 
But if you have a specialist they can go see, you know, there's all sorts of things that we can do to help these kids that, frankly, we don't always see happening because management tries to put more and more work on our members' plates. And, you know, all sometimes our members can do is just survive the day instead of really serving our kids. And I know I speak for all teachers when I say that hurts our hearts when we can't give the kids what they need. We're not looking for, like Marge was saying, superintendent salaries. We want to be able to help our kids. And that's the bottom line for that. Well, I think no matter what field you're in, you can identify with getting that squeeze of having more and more put on your plate and not getting the support you need, not necessarily getting pay commensurate with all of the things that you're being asked to do. And eventually, negotiations with the district came to the point where you had no choice, but you had to go out on strike. Now, Marge, Michael, were you both on the negotiating committee as well? That's right. Yeah. So what was it like to be negotiating a contract while your fellow union members were actually out on strike, while they were walking the line? Did you see a difference in the negotiations? Yeah, certainly, Michael. I bet you can identify with this. And anybody who's been on a bargaining team, it's very hard to be trapped in a room when you know that your fellow workers are out there walking the line. And it's also hard for them. You know, we've been through a strike as well in 2018. It's hard when you're not in that room um, to feel like you can keep going every day, even if you don't have a moment to moment update. We worked hard to develop a sense of trust between folks that were out on the line and folks that were at the bargaining table. And that process, I mean, it's not a spontaneous, we didn't just decide in August, like, let's go on strike. We start with those one-on-one conversations to see how important are these issues for you. And then throughout the course of the year, starting in August of the prior school year, really talking to people about what you want your contract to look like and how important are these changes to you. So I knew when I was sitting at the bargaining table, and I'm sure Michael, you probably have reflections on this too. I cannot bring members less than what they have sent me to do. It's not up to me to decide, hey, I'm ready to quit. Um, we know that you know the work is hard for them out there and we're we're doing it at the bargaining table because they've sent us to do a really important job. Yeah, I agree with all of that, Marge. And I know for me, this was my first bargain. And I was speaking with another bargainer in our district. And I said, gosh, you know, you have a few bargains under your belt and, you know, I just have my one. And he goes, no, no, Michael, this one for you, this is like six bargains. So you're an experienced bargainer by this point. You know, it really was frustrating for me. I'm happy to serve however my members want me to serve. And they wanted me at the bargaining table. But boy, I would see pictures on social media of them marching and, and, you know, holding the line. And I said, gosh, I... That's where my heart is. I'm here because my members need me here, and I'm going to do my darndest to get them a contract that they deserve and that our kids deserve. But all through that time, a little bit of my heart was on that picket line with them. We had a day where we weren't going to start bargaining until about probably about 10 or 11 that morning. And um, our WEA director, he said, you know what? You go out, all of you bargaining team, you go out to the pre-picket meeting to your buildings, and you go talk to your people. And Harold, I can't tell you how much that lifted all of our spirits. Our our hearts were full. They got to see us. They got to get, you know, the lowdown. Hey, kind of what's going on? What's the mood? What's the temperature? 
it was so much love and just like camaraderie there. I, I said, I'm sorry, I can't be here with you. And they said, no, we're sorry you're having to go through this awful thing. We had nothing but respect, you know, from that standpoint. And I think another thing that I really wish I could have been a part of, and I know Marge is going to know about this too, is that when you're picketing for six hours a day with your staff, you get a lot of conversations going, right? And I know I had my staff say this was some of the best, we call it professional development, right? You know, learning new things, talking about ideas. And uh, very often management gives us professional development that we are to consume. But they said this was the best professional development we've had in years because they just get to talk, get to know each other. The staff that was on the line, they're so much closer. They understand each other more. Um, So even though a strike, which I never want to do again, even though we had to go through that, there are some real positives that came out. And certainly the services and the supports for our kids is one, but also the camaraderie that we received. And we have a lot more people fired up about labor than we had before. And not just members of your unions, also people in the general community, parents and students. You were talking earlier about the amount of support that you got when you were talking to your teams, but you got a lot of support from parents during this strike, right? Yeah, parents know that they want quality public education for their kids. From what we've seen, they're not likely to listen to management when it comes to uh, what their students need. They're going to listen to the person that they know in the classroom who's been working with their student. And I think that's why we saw that uprising of parents in Evergreen and lots of parent support in both districts and around the region to see kind of like, what can we do to, to put some pressure on decision makers to really come to the table and make the right decisions? And that's lasted after the strike. We have parents right now who are working to get people informed about how leadership works, to get people informed about school boards, to make sure that we can make some changes on our school board where necessary. There's a lot of people who continue to be fired up. And exactly what Michael said, that that kind of solidarity that's created on the picket line, I'm sure that the district didn't intend to build power within the union, but that's exactly what they've done. I have no doubt that the experience of our 2018 strike laid a foundation for members to be able to understand this is worth it. We can do it together, and hopefully we can be an example to other locals that this fight is what it takes, and it's worth it for our students and for ourselves. A big part of that, I think, is something that Michael discussed earlier, social media. Camus particularly did a lot of outreach during the strike about the issues involved. Do you think that that played a role, Michael, in getting people more engaged and getting the community behind you? Oh, I sure do. You know, I think our communities, uh, both in Evergreen and Camas, you know, they look toward teachers. We're the ones, you know, in the classrooms every day, right? We know what our kids need. And so when you can have, for example, we had some Facebook live forums, Q&As, that sort of thing. I wasn't involved in that because of my bargaining responsibilities, but I was able to catch a few minutes of a few of those. And they were just fantastic. Our parents were informed. They had really intelligent questions. They were supportive. And ultimately, you know, they saw that we're fighting for your kids. We're trying to make it so that our working conditions are conducive to great learning conditions for your students. So um, I think some may have tried to portray, you know, those darned greedy teachers. 
right? But I think when we present information to our community, keep them informed as well as our membership, I mean, that's a really hard conclusion to come to when we're saying we're trying to get lower class sizes. We're trying to get funding to libraries. I don't see that as a greedy teacher thing. And the community didn't either. So those who are trying to spin that narrative of the greedy teachers, mm, that didn't work so well for them. Well, I know our time is short. Um, I do have one more question, though. As I mentioned earlier, your fellow educators across the river in Portland are currently on strike. What advice would you give to other educators who might be considering whether or not they should go out on strike? What should they prepare for? And what advice would you give to the families, the parents, the students who are going to be affected by this strike? Because as you mentioned, a lot of them understood the issues and they backed your two unions in your efforts. But you can't deny this is going to have an impact on those families as well. Yeah, I'll start with uh, maybe just advice to other educators. It's really important to know that we are one family and we're one organism, you know, working together. When we think about all the different job categories that go into our contract and all the different experiences, the first and most important thing is to talk to the people in your bargaining unit and understand what their concerns are and make sure that we know that we're willing to stand up for one another. A strike does not happen with 15% of your bargaining unit. It happens because we look out for one another and we agree that 100% of us are ready to stand behind the schools that students and communities need. And then when I look at you know students' experiences, coming back to the school year, of course, there's frustration with missing school days. Of course, there's frustration with a change calendar. But there's even more frustration if your four years of high school, if your entire public education experience is plagued by a lack of staffing, that is so much more detrimental to your experience than a few days when you had to hang out at home and wait for school to start or help your educators on the picket line. You know, so taking the long view of what it really takes to support public education and workers, I think most families understand that. Yeah. You know, one of the things I want to reiterate um I never, ever want to go through a strike again, whether I'm on the bargaining team or on the line, right? But it's something that I'm willing to do when the situation warrants it. So as far as our friends in PAT across the river, Portland Association of Teachers, they're on strike for the right reasons. They want support for their students. They want classrooms and buildings that don't have mold and rats and pestilence, I think that's a really reasonable thing to want for your kids as well as your own working conditions and, you know, uh, professional compensation that honors the work that we do for the kids. So as far as if a union's looking to strike and, you know, things look like they might be in that direction, certainly you've got to make sure, like Marge says, that everybody knows what's going on and you have buy-in from everybody. Because that's what solidarity is, right? Certainly talk to that bargaining team. Ask them questions. You know, I can speak for myself. I loved it when members asked me questions because that was an opportunity for me to say, this is what's going on. These are some of the roadblocks we're encountering. And I could get feedback from my members who could say, yeah, that's really stupid. You should still keep on doing that. And why would they want you to give up this right or, you know, to give up that uh, that piece of the contract? So just keeping your members informed. And then when it comes time to vote on that strike, you know, your members should know exactly why you're voting for a strike by that point. 
if you have to explain something by that point, then something has gone amiss in the lead up to that. So I think PAT did a great job of informing members and community about what was happening and why they might go on strike. As far as parents, you know, we know it's a huge disruption. Child care in the middle of the year, um, we know it's a it's a heavy lift. Sometimes things have to be hard for a little while before things can get better. We think it was worth it in our district because we got supports that our kids needed. We got funding for programs that needed it. We wish it didn't go that way, and we hope that management reconsiders how they approach the bargaining process next year so that we don't have to get there. I know that our district, uh, they started late. We wanted to bargain a couple of months before we actually did. We had a lot of things to talk about. So I think for families, be engaged in the community, in, in the school community. Watch the board meetings online. Go to the board meetings in person. Know what's going on there because ultimately the parents are the bosses, right? They elect the school board. So they need to make sure that they're involved so that district leadership hears feedback about what's going on so that hopefully we don't get to that point. Because the whole issue is let's avoid a strike. Let's work this out. Well, thank you so much, Marge Hogan. Vice President of the Evergreen Education Association, and Michael Sanchez, Vice President of the Camas Education Association. Thank you so much, Harold. Thank you. And thank you, working people, for joining us on another episode of Working to Live in Southwest Washington, produced by the Southwest Washington Central Labor Council. And remember, folks, even though you hope you're out there with your brothers, sisters, and siblings, it can be lonely on the strike line. That's why the solidarity and support of our fellow union members means a lot and keeps us going when we have to take that extraordinary step. EEA and CEA found that out during their strikes, and SAG-AFTRA members, like me, found that out when we recently went out on strike. Solidarity, standing together for a common purpose, it's what binds our labor movement together and gives each and every member of our unions the strength to hold strong. That's why we do it whether we're on strike or not. And that's also why this podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Remember, working people, this is your show. We want to know what you want to hear on it. Email us at podcast at swwaclc.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at swwaclc. And hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. And while you're at it, give us five stars or write your name on the blackboard or whatever your podcast platform of choice gives you to let people know you like what we're doing here. One last thing, folks. As Michael said, when EEA and CEA went out on strike, they were fighting for our kids. They were fighting to make a difference in their educational experience. And when you think about it, that's the case in a lot of the strikes that are going on right now. Whether you talk about Starbucks workers or REI workers or nurses at Kaiser, yes, they want a living wage. They want to be able to live in the places where they work. But more importantly, they want to have enough staffing and enough support so that they can give their customers, their patients, 
their students, in the case of these educators, the best experience possible. So when you drive by and see somebody out on a picket line, when you hear about somebody going out on strike, don't just think about what they're getting out of it. Think about what you, as the customer, as the patient, as the parent, are getting out of it. As Michael and Marge both said, so often it's not about the money. Yes, they need to be able to afford to live, but it's about being able to do their jobs to the best degree possible. They're doing it for you. We'll see you soon.